Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bethany Gilbert and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune and Pastor Dusty White of Quorum Deo Church. On Wednesdays, we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. And today we're talking about the case for kids. Occasionally on this podcast, we talk about raising kids. And that's what this episode is going to be about. But we're going to get there through an article by Kevin DeYoung in the November 2022 issue of First Things. The title of it is simply The Case for Kids. And it makes some really fascinating and insightful points that we want to talk about. And I think this is one of those issues where you just don't, you don't hear much about it in the culture. You're not going to read an article in the Atlantic or in the New York Times about people should have kids. And so here, here's an article on First Things that's making this case that we're going to tackle and talk about because it's really interesting. And we would say, hey, even before you click to the next podcast in your feed, if you don't have kids, maybe can't have yeah, kids, right. this is still good for just the church in general. Yeah, this, this is this not, whole podcast. this podcast is more about American demographics and society than it is about your own story. So we realize there's lots of listeners who might be single, you might uh, be struggling to have kids. There, there might be all kinds of reasons why you're not listening as a parent and you might think, oh, well, if this is about parenting or raising kids, I guess I'll just skip it. But actually, this article is raising issues that everyone needs to be concerned about. It's a societal and demographic reality that Kevin DeYoung wants to talk to us about. By the way, guys, this is a fun story. There's a family, I'm not going to name this family. There's a family in our church that has a child uh, that exists because of this podcast. Mm. Do, you, do you know this story? I feel like I might. There's a family who like literally listened to one of our podcasts years ago that we did on something and they were like, we need to have more kids. And so they had another child by God's grace. And so every time I see that kid, I'm like, Hey, that's why we do a podcast. There's human beings in <laughs> yeah. the world because podcast, of this podcast. Baby. it's amazing. I read this article and thought I should have more kids. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you know, this is, this is one of those, I, I want Christians to have a very positive view of having children. I, I realize that that can create, and we were even talking before the mics got turned on, right? There's a way that that can create this weird negative expectation in the church of like, if you don't have a lot of kids or if you're single, you feel like sort of you don't fit in. And people feel that at Quorum Day all the time because we got a lot of big families. And so if you walk into this church and you're, you're not trailing a bunch of kids behind you, it kind of feels like, do I really fit in here? The answer is yes. Uh, and I, I hope that's just broadly true across the people of God, but I think it is important for Christians to have a theological understanding of why having and raising kids matters and realizing that everybody's situation is different. And so it's not always going to take the same shape, but that convictionally we need to value the next generation and, and value families, moms and dads making sacrifices to raise those kids. So Kevin DeYoung starts this article by just pointing out the demographic data related to the total fertility rate across the world. I don't know if you guys read articles about this stuff, but it's pretty fascinating to pay attention to, uh, are we replacing ourselves on the planet? Basically think about it. If you have a, a married couple, a mom and a dad to replace those two human beings as they get older, that couple needs to have two kids, right? And, and across the board, if every childbearing couple who's able to have children has 2.1 kids, that's basically replacement rate for the human race. Okay. In any society, that means as soon as the fertility rate falls below 
you now have a societal problem where that society is declining. It's not replacing itself. Now, I took a summer school class at UNO back in 1994 or something. And it was this, it was like environmental science or something. And it was some really crunchy granola teacher who was like so concerned about the problem of overpopulation. And it was like all these, you know, astronomical data about like, you know, there's not gonna be enough food to feed everyone. And if we keep, you know, if we keep having children and, and, you know, countries keep growing and population keeps growing, we don't have room for everybody. And we're, you know, we can't feed everybody. It was all this sort of, it'll be a climate crisis. Yeah. It was catastrophic. Well, I mean, that was 25 years ago. Okay. Sorry. Throwing pens around here in the studio. That was 25 years ago where we are now globally is the exact opposite problem. Let me read you the statistics. Uh, in Europe, broadly speaking, the major European nations have a total fertility rate of 1.5 births per woman or lower. Remember, the replacement rate is 2.1. Italy's is 1.22. France is the only European country with a total fertility rate above 2.0. Um, if trends do not reverse, Europe's population will plummet from 750 million today to less than 500 million by the end of the century. So, oh. so that's fine. You know, like what if we just had less Europeans? Yeah, we just need less Europeans, yeah. right? Let's raise diversity. Nope. Problem in East Asia is even worse. Hong Kong, Macau, Singapore, and Taiwan are around 1.0. South Korea, 0.81. Japan, 1.37. Uh, so all the Asian countries have massive, massive demographic problems. The United States used to have a total fertility rate of 2.1 just 15 years ago. Currently, um, it's around 1.73. So what this means is globally, in almost every country except for sub-Saharan Africa, which is sort of the outlier, in almost every society, people are not having enough children to replace the currently existing human beings. And Kevin DeYoung wants to say, if that's happening in one society or a couple societies, it, it, it may not be a thing. But if that's happening across the globe, something deeper is at play. And what DeYoung wants to suggest is at play is a spiritual sickness that, that generally speaking, we've started to see children as a drag on our freedom um, and as, as something negative, something difficult, something hard. And he, in, in a funny way in this article, kind of like Jim Gaffigan often does, he jokes about like, yeah, if you have a lot of kids, you got to get a different vehicle and you go to the restaurant, it costs you $200 to have dinner. And, you know, just, there's a lot of challenges to having children and to having more children. But what DeYoung wants to argue is, <laughs> this, he's writing to Christians. This is his first thing is a Catholic journal. And so he's writing to mainly a Christian audience. What he says is, I do not urge Christian couples to have as many children as possible. He's not trying to be prescriptive. He says, I do urge them to have more children. How many more, I cannot say, but more than two or more kids than you think you can handle might be a good place to start. So I like that. He, yeah, he's just urging like, hey, look, let's get beyond the replacement rate. Now, here's what's fascinating to me as I read this article. I was reminded of a book that I read on sabbatical called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, which we talked about on this podcast. And the author of that article basically was trying to explain, how do you explain the massive growth of Christianity in the first three centuries of the Roman Empire? So you had this very small religion, mainly confined to Jerusalem. And then when, within three centuries, it becomes the dominant religion in the empire. How did that happen? And his answer was two things. One, people raised their kids as Christians. So Christians had children and catechized them. 
And two, if they reached one of their neighbors in the course of their lifetime and brought them to faith. So he, it was it was a really encouraging vision because it basically said, if you just raise your kids to be Christians and reach a couple neighbors, bring them to faith over your lifetime, if every Christian does that, there are massive implications for what that means for the Christian faith. Okay, so DeYoung does the same thing with America. He says, hey, everybody talks about the nuns, the people who are deconstructing, leaving the church, leaving religion. He basically says, if Christians raised their total fertility rate to about 2.4 kids, that is the difference between an America in which religion is declining and an America in which it is on the rise. So that's why I think this is a fascinating article has less to do with your own story and where you at in your journey of, you know, having kids or not having kids, but it has to do with if the church actually just saw this as part of the solution to the secularization of our society. If we stop saying, let's just do more evangelism, plant more churches, et cetera. But we said, Hey, actually raising and catechizing kids is part of the answer to this problem. It's really fascinating to think about how that changes, how you think about kids ministry in your church, how you think about the importance of a church that passes on the faith to the next generation and how you think about the importance of your own family for the thriving and flourishing of the church in our society. And that's going to even make Christians a little bit more odd, he says. Yes, for sure. Unlike generations previous. He also mentions climate change, which, you know, going back to my class at UNO, right, the catastrophic, you know, what you hear now is like, oh, you know what, you can't have kids because they're going to contribute to climate change. (laughs) he says this, this is just a great observation. He says, listen, if the climate crisis is as dire as we are told, lasting solutions will come from the efforts of our children, not their elimination. He's basically saying like, actually, maybe you should have some kids and teach them to be like engineers and geologists and, you know, inventors and entrepreneurs. And that's how the climate crisis is going to get solved is with innovation and, you know, greater study and action, not by not having the next generation of human beings. Um, okay, now DeYoung's writing is a Christian. And by the way, if you're, if you're a parent, you should go read this article because it will encourage you. It'll give you a, a bigger vision for the importance of family and the raising of children. Um, and Dusty, there's a few places in here that I think you felt encouraged by just the way that he sort of puts honor on and emphasis on bigger families, larger families, um, you know, which in, in his definition is, you know, having more than two kids. And again, even having two kids is actually a, a above average sort of decision based on the fertility rate in America. Yeah. And we can talk a little bit more about how he ties our faith to our family here in a moment. But basically I like the phrase of, uh, more than you can handle. You should have as, you should have more kids than you can handle because it, it doubles down on your faith. It doubles down on, do I trust God here? Can I trust God here? And I remember that moment in, in my family as well. I remember having a couple kids and feeling like, okay, we've replaced ourselves. We, we've measured up to the stats. <laughs> we've replaced you know? ourselves. And then I remember having three kids and going like, okay, we're in over. We're outnumbered. We're way Playing out. zone we're defense. Not just, we're not just outnumbered. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, this is a lot of humans. Now now there's more responsibility. So there is there there's formation to our spiritual faith in God and trusting God as we're bringing children into the world. And he mentions how profound and necessary that is. Okay. So the cliche is right. There are certain religious people who just have big families. Like you joke about the Mormon family, the Catholic family. Like you just, you just know certain people like, well, these people probably have a big family. 
and maybe Coram Deo Church is kind of like, maybe that's the joke around here too. It's like, oh, if you go to Coram Deo, you probably have got a lot of kids. Um, But here's what DeYoung points out that's a very important observation. He says, actually, culturally, when fertility declines in a culture, it also has an effect on how people embrace faith and how they view family. So it's not just that religious people generally are going to be more pro-family. It's that when the culture becomes less religious, it has implications for how we think about family. So here's a quote from the article. A culture with declining fertility will become accustomed to smaller and smaller families. The feedback loop is hard to interrupt. With fewer children, parents become more child-centric. And as parents become more child-centric, they do not see how they could possibly have more than one or two children. Even good parents, perhaps especially good parents, are susceptible to the assumptions of kindergarchy. I don't even know if that's a word. I think he made that up. But I like it. Where children rule the roost and moms and dads are expected to be all things to their kids. How can parents have more than a couple kids if each child needs from the parent a constant companion, a camp director, a gourmet chef, a vacation planner, a coach, and an omnipresent safety net? I love that sense. I was like, well, that that's why a lot of parents feel stressed out is because they've yeah. bought in the idea that I got to be all these things. I got to be my kids, you know, companion, camp director, chef, vacation planner, coach, safety net. And he's just saying, hey, no, those assumptions all exist because we live in a culture with declining fertility. And if you only have one kid or two kids, I guess you can kind of try to be all those things. But when when the culture starts to think that's normal and expected it makes you feel like a failure if you're not all those things to your kid. And so DeYoung is pointing out that actually the decline in fertility, a, a, a culture that just less values family is going to create challenges in even our view of what a parent needs to be in the first place. He's also getting at our entitlement there and how that creeps into kids and how therefore parents think they need to be catering to their kids with everything. Yep. Now, um, one of the beauties of this article is it's just a reminder. And again, some people don't need this reminder, but a lot of people do. It's a reminder that actually raising a family is a very missional thing. Come having, on. having children is a, is, a, is a beautiful way to affect the world for good. Uh, he has this line, the most direct path to changing the world starts with changing a diaper. I think yeah. You, I think you put that on Twitter today. I yeah, that. I tweeted that. Uh, it's too, true. Too often, Christian leaders lay impossible burdens on their people, insisting that they solve a host of social ills and become experts in a thousand different areas, forgetting to assure them that to get married, raise children in the church, and stay married is a life well lived. Yes. Women in particular need to know that motherhood is not a lesser calling, an interruption in the real business of life, or an impediment to their truly being purposeful, which usually means being more like men. He says, just once I'd like to see a Christian college spotlight a stay-at-home mom in its alumni magazine. From the way Christian schools market themselves, you would never imagine that most of their women graduates become mothers or that normal family life is an honorable calling. So he's just placing emphasis and uh, highlighting the reality that actually, man, raising kids is important work. And our society tends to see it as like... (laughs) you know, leftover work, right? Yeah. Do that in addition to all the other stuff. He's saying, actually, that's the, that's really, really important and significant work. I just want to appeal there 
Um, if you are a mom, I want you to hear that again. You probably got to hit the repeat on that because you're not going to be highlighted on your college's alumni magazine. You know, it's going to be somebody who's out there making a difference, air quotes, um, in the real world. And so um, you are making a difference one soul at a time. I'm reminding my wife of this all the time. She's like, well, what am I doing? Like, I don't feel like I'm doing much in the church. I don't feel like I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have a job. But meanwhile, your social media feeds are full of other women saying, hey, you can go do this or you should get your thing and, and you need to do your thing. Her, she said to me, what if, is it okay if I just like want to be a mom and a good one for now? I'm like, yes, That's absolutely. A, it's a good calling. But it is odd. DeYoung mentions in this article, Isaiah 65, um, and again, his vision is, or his, his goal here is just to raise the value and the importance of um, passing on the faith to our kids, having children, raising children. But he mentions, it's striking to note how different our version of the good life is from Isaiah's vision. In Isaiah 65, the prophet unveils the coming of the new heavens and new earth. The vision includes elements all people would cherish, peace, prosperity, and protection. But the vision is also surprisingly domestic. We hear of children no longer dying in infancy and children born for blessing instead of calamity. We read of building houses and inhabiting them, of planting vineyards and eating their fruit. The picture is familial and generational with an old man, a young man, an infant, and descendants together with their parents. Today's version of the good life is more individualistic and more consumeristic. The good life has migrated from the home to the marketplace, to places of entertainment, and to the inner recesses of the self. Blessing is found in escaping the home, in travel, in consumption, in freedom from the bonds of dom domesticity. I think that kind of explains, Dusty, why it is that sort of, why are our sort of the things we hold up, the ideals you see out there, it has less to do, I think, with... Um, People don't see motherhood as a, a meaningful calling or, you know, whatever, but it has more to do with the good life is travel, adventure, yeah. individualism. The good life isn't seen as generations living together in the same place or, you know, sort of like a, a family table, those kinds of, that's just not our image of what the good life is. Now, uh, I think, you know, maybe that's changing a little bit as, as people feel more the isolation that individualism can create. But I, I just think that's a really interesting, he's basically saying the Bible's vision of the good life and of the new heaven and the new earth is a very communal vision. And only by holding on to that, do we really get the, the vision that we need to sustain the kind of hard work that it is to change some diapers and educate some kids and those kinds of things. All right, so as DeYoung begins to conclude his article, he says the disintegration of the family will not be undone in five years. Still, we can do our part to promote social health in the here and now and to sow seeds for a later harvest. To that end, I offer two modest proposals. First, we must put the institution and well-being of the family at the center of a renewed conservatism. So he says, hey, let's let the family be front and center in our vision of what is sort of like a healthy society look like. Um, second, we must place the family at the center of our lives, not as a God, of course, but as one of the very best things God wants us to pursue. Um, and kind of what he's after there is let's just embrace and, and impart a positive vision of family. This is where he has that line that the most direct path to changing the world starts with changing a diaper. 
He's, he's just saying, hey, we need to put forward a vision that like one of the most meaningful and significant things you can do is get married, raise a family. And we realize, you know, God doesn't give those opportunities to every single human being. But when he does and as he does, that's one of the most noble and important things we can do. Um, and even as we think about broadening this out to the whole local church family, right, it's it's part of why, man, when you're invited to serve in kids ministry or when, you, when you're going to a church where there's little kids running around who can be sometimes a burden and a challenge, embrace that because part of what we need is to recenter the family in both the church, in our own thinking, and then in a vision of what a healthy culture is. And, and what DeYoung is basically saying is that the, the lowered fertility rates are an indication that cultures and societies no longer see a stable family and a, and a, a multiplying family as a, as a positive good. It's sort of like an option, cool if you want to do that, but the society doesn't need that. And what he's saying is, hey, if we want to reverse that trend, part of what we have to do is put the family back at the center, not in a way that's idolatry, but in a way that says, hey, families are good. Raising kids is good. Having kids is good. The hard work, the difficult tasks of marriage and parenting are worth sacrificing for. One of the most beautiful things happened uh, last night. My son was home from, for a fall break from school, and we were all, all eight of us, which doesn't happen very often, were all sitting around the table. Some kids were coloring I think he was working on a biology assignment. I was reading a commentary. Other kids were, everybody was just doing something. We were all at the table. And I just remember, think, I, I looked up and thought, this is a pretty transcendent moment. This is rare. I don't think very many other people are doing this in our neighborhood. And I'm going to cherish it. I think this is the most important thing I will, this is the, probably one of the most important moments I'll have all week. And there's a lot of important moments in our weeks, you know, but that was just, really significant and worshipful to me. And DeYoung talks about the transcendence of having children. Having children is not merely an act of dogged obedience or even simply an act of faith. It's an act of transcendence, he says. So to tie a bow on this, Dusty, what do you, you know, what does the person need to hear who, you know, isn't able to have kids or isn't married, but would like to be like the, the person who's like, okay, great. I get it. I'm hearing what you're saying. That's not my reality. What do they need to hear from this article to encourage and um, envision them? Well, I think the first thing I would say is, man, I'm sorry about that because that's not the plan you had and you were just expecting to get married and have kids and keep clipping along with, with your desires and that hasn't happened. So first of all, I would just say, man, I'm very sympathetic to that. Secondly, I would say your presence in the church and especially with families in the church is very, very important. And so you being a part of a family, uh, a bigger family within the church and then also individual families and you being, uh, Becoming a part of those families is very important for that family and also for your own formation. And it also means that the Lord has different a different path, a different plan for your particular ministry efforts, and we have to keep discerning what those are. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's also, going back to where we started here, important to me just for Christians to have a positive vision of family. So 
I always think of that everybody tends to listen to a podcast like this, first of all, individually as like a, an individual human being. And they're thinking about how does this map onto my life or my story? And I think that's an important way to listen. But I also just always want this to, to be saying, hey, part of what DeYoung is saying and part of what we're trying to say with this podcast is as God's people, let's just be very pro family and very pro kids because it's actually important for the long-term flourishing of the church and for the long-term flourishing of society. So how the, however this does or doesn't map onto your existential story at this moment in your life, what I long for is for the church to be a place where we say, yeah, we have a very positive vision of family and we're not, we're not going to be sarcastic and joking about like, Oh, why do these people have kids here? And what, you know, why is it so uh, chaotic and noisy around here? We're going to say, no, th- this is part of what, what a church should look like is there to be some joy in raising up the next generation and celebrating the kids who are here, the parents who are trying to do the hard work of raising and discipling them and the church family that's coming around them and helping to support and encourage that work. Um, and, and so for me, this article is, is a little bit of a, it's important because I just don't think there's many places you're going to read this. I mean, there's just, there's not a whole lot of people talking about the positive benefits of family. And I haven't even read a lot of articles in the broader press tackling these lowered fertility rates with the seriousness that I think we should tackle them. Because I do think if it's, you know, as generations age, if you do not have younger generations replacing them, you're going to have a whole host of societal problems and challenges that come with that. And so for those who just care about the people around us, our neighbors, like what does it mean to love our neighbors as ourselves? Well, part of what it means is we want to, we want to have a society that's stable and that can continue to provide for people as they age and, and create the conditions for social flourishing. And in our culture right now, no one is sort of centralizing the family as a key part of that. And I like when people do that because I feel like that's actually always been part of the answer is stable, healthy families and stable, healthy communities, whether that's, you know, a church, a synagogue, um, a local neighborhood, just, just institutions that sort of operate around and tend to support the work of uh, families are really crucial to a healthy and thriving society. And in our society, it just feels like we seem to care less and less about that. So I like when someone writes an article and says, hey, let's put this back on the front burner as a key piece of what it means to be thriving human beings. I guess I would give one more appeal. And that is, um, as, I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about all the pastoral conversations we have. And I, I tend to have way more pastoral conversations with people who are uh, either out of the birthing years and they're, they're, they're usually saying, ah, I wish we would have had more kids um, if they were able to. I rarely hear people say, oh yeah, we had, we had five and that was enough. You know, um, Sometimes you hear that, but I do hear people lamenting when they're able to have children, not having more. Um, and there's a little bit of grief involved in that. And then I also want to I also want to appeal to people to stop looking through the lens of just pleasure and security or what I think can give me happiness and start, let's start asking the question of like, what is God inviting me into and how does he want me to trust him a little bit more deeper and what's going to stretch me to trust him? And it's probably in the Gaffigan joke, handing you another baby while you're (laughs) drowning in the ocean. All right. Well, Hey, if you are um, a parent in the thick of the challenges of um, raising kids, or if you're um, in your childbearing years and trying to wrestle with questions like, yeah, 
should we have more kids or, you know, what should our sort of thoughts about family be? I want to encourage you to go read this article. It's only four or five pages. It won't take you long, but um, it's a really powerful article to put back on our radars, a, a biblical and compelling vision of the importance of raising kids, both for the flourishing of the church, but also just for the long-term health and flourishing of our society. So go read it. Uh, I hope um, conversation has sort of stirred some curiosity in you. And um, I'm thankful that Kevin DeYoung took the time to write this and that First Things uh, published it so that we could talk about it. Again, it's called The Case for Kids, and you'll find the link in the podcast notes for this episode. The goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we thank you for listening in, and we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. We always love to hear from listeners. So if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.